0: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. What a collapse by the Philadelphia Eagles. The second collapse in the NFC East
1: in two days. We are Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, alongside Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you, ESPN Radio, ESPN U, Sirius XM 80, and all of our ESPN stations across the country.
2: Best you- Jay-Z album right here, Reasonable Doubt. This is a great song. Be- best Jay Z album. Really? Yeah, best Jay Z album. But is the, the the blue first one? No, nah, the first one. What about the black album? album? Black album was good. I'm not yeah. listen. Most of Jay Z's albums are phenomenal. I'm just saying this is the best one in my opinion. Well, this one has Biggie. The
1: one, the, the track we're listening to right now, right? Yeah, it's great. All right, uh, the Bucks. Give them credit. Yeah, you know we. I got I, second on the Bucks before we go all in on the Eagles if okay. we could. So replacing a legend in any walk of life is really hard, regardless of how long that legend is with your business and company, whatever it is. When that legend that's with you completes legendary status with you, it's even harder, right? Tom Brady did go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady played there for three years. Tom Brady won a Super Bowl for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and made the playoffs. Even at 8-9 last year, still made the playoffs. He retires. Replacing him, as we've seen in New England, is utterly impossible. Replacing any kind of QB legend. The Miami Dolphins are still trying to replace Dan Marino, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I am not suggesting that Baker Mayfield is Tom Brady. But what Baker Mayfield and Todd Bowles, as the leaders of, those team, of that team, have done this year one game better than they were a year ago in terms of regular season record, and now one game better than they were a year ago in terms of postseason. Give Baker Mayfield, who who many of us, me included, wrote off saying, oh my God, first round, number one overall pick bust with Cleveland, goes to Carolina, doesn't even play there, has to save um, the Rams because they were in an emergency QB scenario a year ago. Nobody wants him. And now look what they've done.
2: Yeah, I mean, Baker Mayfield started off the season competing for Kyle Trask for the starting job in Tampa, and now he's done something that we've never seen in Bucks postseason history, throwing for over 300 yards and three touchdowns. And he was absolutely surgical last night. 337 passing yards, second only to Tom Brady. I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal what he's been able to do. Being able to win five of their last six in the regular season to punch their ticket to win the NFC South, that's impressive. And Smalls, for my money... I think Baker Mayfield has earned the right to be QB one in Tampa going into 2024.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Now, not only was he amazing last night, I think we forget he did so banged up. We talk so much about Jalen hurts injuries uh, Baker Mayfield was dealing with the ribs. He oh, had yeah. the ankle. Remember Laura Rutledge talking before the game about how, how they had to tape both ankles equally so that he had stability. He was banged up last night, but you wouldn't know it based on the way that he played. You gave the numbers 337 yards, three touchdowns. And he is a huge reason why the Bucks have been able to win six of their last seven. And I know so much of today is going to be focused on the Eagles meltdown over the past two months because there may be a potential coaching change there, or at least a lot of people will be clamoring for that today. But we need to give credit. Credit where credit is due to Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this morning. Yeah,
2: no doubt about it. I mean, since week 13, Baker Mayfield has a top 10 passer rating, 11 touchdowns to only three interceptions, and 1,456 yards passing. Like, that, like this dude is playing really, really good football. And you can win playoff games with that kind of football. I think the Bucs are going to be a live dog going into Detroit on Sunday. Like, that's how good Baker Mayfield is playing, and that's how good the personnel around Baker Mayfield is. But also, Ev, to your point, Todd Bowles was masterful in terms of his approach in dismantling that Philadelphia Eagles offense. I mean, to pitch a shutout on third and fourth down in the NFL against a playoff-caliber team, that's impressive. Like, I don't care that Jalen Hurts was hurt. I don't care that A.J. Brown was out. You mean to tell me they didn't convert one third down in the game? That is absolutely dominant, and I don't think people give Ty Bowles the credit that he deserves for being a good head coach, but also being one of the best defensive minds in all of football. Yeah, and there was some
1: buzz, maybe, that if they didn't make the playoffs or they didn't do well, that, you know, I mean, the NFC South is an attractive spot for big-time coaches because they believe they can walk in and win the division immediately. I am not suggesting they were going to fire him. All I am saying is people were talking about could that job potentially be one that would be attracted to one of these big-time coaches because Brady set the infrastructure of winning. Like, they have good players there, great place to live, obviously, warm weather, and easier division.
2: I don't know that Brady set the infrastructure, but Brady showed everybody in the NFL world that you could do it. They were just a quarterback away. Like, as long as they have that position figured out, they're going to have a chance, especially given the landscape of the division. So I think Brady let it be known that it could happen in that organization winning a championship – only does more to foster a culture that allows them to have that kind of success in the future. And there's
1: still a lot of leftovers from that team. It's not like yeah, Devin all, White is
2: still there. Yeah. Antoine Winfield Jr., who's an all-pro, he's, he's still there. The like two receivers, yeah. Tr- uh, yeah. Tristan Wurst is still there. He's one of monster. the best tackles in yeah. all of them. Like you still got really good players. And then of course Mike Evans, who's had what ten straight thousand yards. He's a beast. <laughs> like I mean, night, though. Let's just which start. A yeah, couple of drops, but yeah. I mean, let's just start referring to him as future Hall of Famer, Mike Evans. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Speaking
1: of future Hall. of of Famers one per Adam Schefter is walking away after last night's game the breaking news this morning Jason Kelsey is going to be retiring after a Hall of Fame caliber career as the Eagles center certainly not the game in which he wanted to go out 36 years old they lose 32-9 last night the Philadelphia Eagles remember started this season at 10 and 1 and a lot of people including our very own Pat Costello kept saying to us they're not that good they're not that good I remember I personally fought Pat off saying come on You win games. It doesn't matter how you win games. You're 10-1. and That's an amazing start to a season off of going to the Super Bowl last year. Well, Pat was right. Needless to say, I was wrong. As they finished their season losing six of their final seven games. And as many people have pointed out, they have fired coaches a lot better than Nick Sirianni. From Andy Reid to Doug Peterson. And Chip Kelly wasn't horrific with the Eagles. He just was not liked by a lot of the players. But guys, I have to ask the question. What happened to the Eagles here?
2: What we've seen happen to them in the last month and a half. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't I, like. It's not a surprise to me. Like Smalls and I thought that this was one of the most predictable outcomes going into Wild Card Weekend. We didn't think that the Eagles were going to have any answers for the Bucks' offense. Their defense is trash, especially their secondary. And if they're not getting to the quarterback, and based on what they did last year versus this year, it's not the same then they were going to struggle in terms of being able to hold up. And then we've seen what the Eagles offense has been over the last couple of games with losses to the Giants and the Cardinals. They're not going to have the ability to match points because Jalen Hurts ain't healthy and A.J. Brown was out of the lineup. So, yeah, I'm not surprised at what happened. I am surprised that it was – as non-competitive as we saw last night. Like, there, there was no fight in the Philadelphia Eagles. There are things that are just fundamental to the game of football, like tackling, mm-hmm. that the Eagles just didn't show. They, I mean, 157 yards after contact for the receivers and running backs of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
1: Is tackling an effort thing or a, or a scheme thing? Yes. Both. <laughs> but, it, yes. but if you have to but, but, say but ta- effort— ta- 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 that-
2: tackling is effort— But it's also scheme in the sense that the the coach allows the players – to you know, give a certain degree of effort, or puts the players in position where they they don't have good angles to tackle on. Like th- that's all coaching in terms of know, knowing your personnel, but then also not allowing players to loaf to the football. Like there were so many loafs out there yesterday. I mean, guys would break a tackle, and there would be nobody else there to get them on the ground. Mm. Like, and this is a playoff game; it's winner go home. There was just no urgency by anybody on. The, the Eagles defense. And that's an indictment on the head coach. So, yeah, it's all bad for Philadelphia. And I think it was – it got to a, a boiling point last night where I think Jeffrey Lurie, the owner – and Howie in the GM, could justify moving on from Nick Sirianni.
3: Yeah, you saw last night that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were really in lockstep with one another. They had that cohesion schematically from, from an effort standpoint. They were on the same page when it came to everything. Baker Mayfield talked about it after the game, saying that everybody was on the same page. He said, we came out and attacked and we had been on the same page throughout the week. And conversely, the Philadelphia Eagles were anything but. They looked completely discombobulated on every facet of the game. And Nick Sirianni, after Afterwards, said we were out of sync. That starts with me. I wasn't good enough. I didn't put them in good enough positions. And if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, if you're decision makers there and you know that you signed Jalen Hurts to this big contract and you still have a lot of really important pieces in place and you think that your window to win is now, how can you take what you saw? in the last two months of the season and last night in the playoffs and then have this be part of the equation, that they weren't in sync and you didn't put them in good positions as, as the head coach. I mean, we saw throughout the season that the offense certainly wasn't the same without no. Shane Steichen. We know that the defense has a lot of issues as well. And we know that there's going to be a calibration period when you lose two coordinators. It's just going to happen. But I, I still don't think any of those things are excuse enough to justify the erosion that we saw from the Philadelphia Eagles.
1: So uh, he was at he being Nick Sirianni was asked about the coordinator change in season when he went from Sean DeSai, defensive coordinator to Matt Patricia and everything that went around with the coaching this season. And he had this to say. That's that's a little premature to talk through that. Everybody in that locker room's hurting right now. Coaches, players, staff, every, everybody in that locker room's uh, hurting. And my job right now is to be there for them, be there for the guys. We'll find exactly. We'll get into all that. Uh, I'm not there yet. Yeah, we're hurting right now. Tough to you know to go out you know the way we did this. Uh, hats off to the the Bucks. They had a good game plan. They did a good job. But my mind right now is not is not there. You know, I got a lot of time to think about that. My mind right now is on the locker room guys, the coaches, um, all those. those And obviously he's talking about future coordinated changes.
2: Uh, Yeah, but I always wonder when a coach was talking like that, like what exactly do you have to be thinking about in terms of going into your lock, going into that locker room? Like what, like that's the part I don't get. The season's over. Like uh, we're all professionals. The season is over. What we did wasn't good enough. And that's why we got bounced from the playoffs. Like the time to be introspective, the time to reflect was a month and a half ago when it was actually something that could be done about your season. So when they're asking you about your job security, I get that you don't want to answer the question, but don't try to deflect and say, well, I'm thinking about my guys right now. Were you thinking about them before the game, before you developed your third down plan that didn't allow them to convert one third down, not one? You ain't even pinched the Bucks defense on third down? Like didn't even come close? Like, like, you had no answers for the blitz. Todd Bowles blitzed 60% of the time. You know why? Because you had no answers for the freaking blitz. Jalen Hurts averaged 4.5 yards per pass attempt on the blitz. On all other passing plays, he averaged 10 yards an attempt. You had no answers on third down, no answer for the blitz. So don't give me this business about how you want to be thoughtful or how you want to care and love on your players post-game after you got embarrassed. The time for that was before the game, not afterward. What the hell do you need to talk to him about afterward? Going to Cancun? My off-season vacation? Who cares? Sickening, man. Don't try to use the players as a shield to deflect away from the criticism or the speculation around your job security.
1: Should have just walked off. We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike (laughs) on ESPN Radio.
5: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Evan Canty and Michelle are Unsportsmanlike. Buffalo moves on and
2: will host Kansas City. The Steelers' season is at an end.
0: That's the end of the game with the final score.
2: The Buffalo Bills 31, the Pittsburgh Steelers 17. We didn't do what was required to win tonight. We didn't take care of the ball. We didn't get the ball from them enough in an environment like this, and thus uh, the score. We knew being on, on the road, you got to come out and you know, keep it close early, and we didn't. But you it was probably the way we fought back there at the end and never stopped believing
1: There was no shame in what the
2: Pittsburgh Steelers did last night.
1: They lost to a better team on the road. Buffalo is better. The Steelers don't have a quarterback.
2: No, 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 no. I'm not going to agree with you on that one. There was shame in it because it didn't have to go down like that. The turnovers in the first half, especially the pick that Mason Rudolph threw in the end zone, those types of plays can't happen. It's Mason Rudolph.
1: (laughs) You know? I mean, like, it's Mason Rudolph.
2: Yeah, but still, you can't many, make that mistake,
1: still though. The, did we even know he was still in the league when they named him starter? You're saying yeah. your
3: expectations for him aren't I'm that high. I'm just
1: saying, like, at some point, we, we had to look at this and say the Pittsburgh Steelers were overachieving even getting into the postseason.
2: I agree, but there are just some things that are fundamental to the game of football. Throwing a pick in the end zone is bad quarterback play no matter who you are. Like, there's that, and then there's the fumble, and then, of course, there's what happened – um, with Pratt Fireman, who almost gave it away again. I mean, if his helmet doesn't touch the ball while he's out of bounds, that's had another turnover in the first half for the Steelers. It was sloppy football for the majority of the first half. They didn't give themselves a chance. Now, I agree with you. They would have eventually been outclassed, especially with the way that Josh Allen played. But the Pittsburgh Steelers made it easy on the Bills yesterday.
3: Yeah, but knowing the quarterback situation, knowing you're without TJ Watt, knowing you're going into Buffalo, those conditions, even though they're from Pittsburgh, I didn't really expect the outcome to be much different.
0: Well, and the,
1: the Bills Agreed. did beat the Steelers 31 17. It was a one score game late. Uh, great touchdown to uh, Khalil Shakir as he like just t- broke every tackle, specifically Minka Fitzpatrick. It was <laughs> unbelievable yeah. late in Amazing. that game. So the Bills advance. They're going to go and host Kansas City, which is the first time that matchup has happened. In I can't wait
2: for that game. Me too.
3: To
1: not wait for that game. And it's interesting because Patrick Mahomes has nothing to prove, but he does have something to accomplish, right? Mm-hmm. He has a road win he has not accomplished yet in the postseason. Now, that is for good reason because he always leads his team to home field advantage. So there is nothing to prove, but that is a tremendous matchup coming up this weekend. But last night, the final question and answer of the press conference with Mike Tomlin, our very own Brooke Pryor, ESPN uh, Steelers reporter, who's going to join us in about an hour Asked this question to Mike Tomlin and got this response or lack thereof.
3: Mike, you have a year left on your contract. His face.
1: (laughs) Mike, you have a year left on your contract. That was the extent of what Brooke Pryor could get out there. And Mike Tomlin walked off of that press conference
3: And his face. He's just
2: like so annoying. Like his face face told everybody, let me tell you what I ain't going to do. Correct. Is answer this question right now and go down this road. I'm not ready to talk about this. I'll talk about it at the appropriate time. I'm not going to answer the question. I'm not going to say another word because I know what's coming after this question, which is more questions. So the best thing I can do is get down from this podium before I say something that I really don't want to say.
3: But my question is, why was that statement, because she didn't even get her question out, so triggering to him?
2: Hit he, dog a holler.
3: Yeah, yes. A uh, hit,
2: uh, hit dog a holler. Yes. So, she, I mean, maybe there's, where there's smoke, there's fire. Maybe there is something to him potentially walking away and, and looking at – You know, what's going on? He said he's going to take some time and talk to his family about what's going on, knowing that his son is playing college football right now. Maybe he wants to be a cheerleader. Maybe he wants to be, you know, the dad cheering his son on at the games as opposed to traveling to different cities on the weekends, getting ready to coach in the NFL. I I mean, when you think about the sacrifices that the families of these coaches have to make in order for these coaches to do their jobs – it's not outside of the realm of possibility to consider that Mike T would walk away, and you know, after a couple of decades in the National Football League, and you know, lean into being more of a family man. It's not crazy to think that he may take a gap year or two, and just embrace you know other things in his personal life.
1: Let me ask a ridiculous question, because this is a job you don't voluntarily leave if you don't have to, unless you're retiring. The Pittsburgh Steelers is not an NFL job, despite the quarterback situation that that you just you don't want to walk away from. Let's say he does need a gap year. He wants a voluntarily, voluntary year or two off. Could he do it with this team? In other words, could he say to no. the Roonies, I need a break, but I don't need a break forever. Let me come back after. A this is unheard of what I'm suggesting, but it's him. So I'm just throwing it out there.
3: But what does that say to your locker room about the person that you're bringing in? You only have to listen to well, him, I to him until Mike Tomlin wants to come back. No,
1: unless it's somebody on their staff that has respect from the players. That maybe Tomlin. I, I don't know. I would have to look at the staff. I don't have the staff in front. I mean, I like Terrell Alston. He's been around as a defensive coordinator. Was it was a you know? And and by the way, it could be something for a guy like that. Um, that hey, I'm going to get a, a year where I put my resume on display for everybody to, to look at. Like in years past, they had Brian Flores there a couple of years ago who would have been a perfect guy in this spot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, who, yeah. I'm just throwing out – an obs- because this is not a job you could ever match somewhere else.
3: Maybe not as far as ownership is concerned. Well, but- that matters. It, it does matter, but it also matters that Mike Tomlin has accomplished enough and has shown who he is as a leader, not just a coach, but a leader enough that if he were to walk away for two years, for five years, whatever job he wanted, if he threw out the smoke signal, I'm ready to come back, even if you had a good coach in place, you might reconsider him for Mike Tomlin. You know, we're talking about that with Bill Belichick right now with The way that Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott have evolved throughout the regular season, a lot of people might be suggesting, I don't know if you should break those two up despite the lack of postseason success. But when you have a guy like Bill Belichick out there, it makes you think twice. If a guy like Mike Tomlin was out there and maybe was interested in your job,
1: no, he's the best candidate. I mean, yeah, yeah. He would be and, the best candidate. and we
2: saw that with Sean Payton, right? He went away for a couple Good of example. years. He did, did TV, came back. He had his pick of jobs. I mean, that, that would be the same situation with Mike Tomlin, only Tomlin would be younger. Mike Tomlin is 51 years old right That's now. I'm Think about it. He was hired in his 30s, and he's 51 years old right now. So, yeah, he'll have an opportunity in a few years if he wants to resume his NFL coaching pr- career, assuming that he steps down. This offseason. But I guess the whole question around whether or not he wants to come back in 2024 with the Steelers should be centered around who his quarterback is going to be. And we just had Jeff Saturday in studio in the 7 o'clock hour, and he said, look, he's going to go up with a short list of the guys that he would want to play quarterback. And if the Steelers can't commit to getting one of those guys, then why should Mike Tomlin commit to continuing to coach this team? When mm-hmm. you looked across the sideline yesterday and the other team has a quarterback like Josh Allen, or you look across the sidelines in the division – and the other teams have Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Deshaun Watson, yeah, I'm going to want an upgrade at quarterback. And Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph combo just ain't it. They've got to take a big swing, and that's not the stealer way. That's not what Pittsburgh does. So i am be curious to see whether or not they dip their toe in the waters when it comes to quarterbacks that might be able to be traded for or guys in free agency and or – potentially making a move up in the draft order in order to get one of these signal callers. There are a lot of different avenues they can go down, but all of them would be uncharacteristic of what we've seen this Steelers organization do.
1: Let me update my crazy theory. If he walks into the Rooney's and say, says, I think I I need a break. I'm going to walk away. I would ask them the question like retire or you need a break. Like, Meaning, do you want to take a leave of absence for a year, whatever it is, and then we bring – like, I'm just not letting him walk out the door. I, from my perspective, I can't hire better than him. I'm willing to take that gap year. I'm willing if you're – let's use Terrell Austin, the, the defensive corner. I'm willing to have a developmental year for another coach. I, I'm just – I can't do better than him. There's no way I can do better. And I know Steelers fans today are saying, get him out of here. We haven't won since 2016. They're They're insane. They're insane. If if Mike Tomlin were to be out there right now, and nobody loves Belichick more than I do, he is the single best candidate. Why? For all these jobs. Why? He has the Belichick-ish level of legacy, winning and longevity, and, and the Vrabel level of future because he's young, and relation to players. He would be the single best candidate. He would be better than Belichick, better than Vrabel, better than Carroll, better than Harbaugh. More people would want Tomlin than any of the other guys out there right now.
3: I hear what you're saying, but how, as the Steelers, are you going to sell having a substitute teacher in place until Mike Tomlin wants to return? That doesn't feel like a very Pittsburgh Steelers thing to do either. They would want to, I don't know, I just feel like a... An organization with that level of cachet and historical success would want to say, okay, even though if you wanted to return, you might be our best option, I also have confidence in us as ownership to go out there and find the next you.
1: Yeah, but there's also another part of this, like, hey, we're not going to be that good next year anyway. So, like, what's the difference, right? Maybe Mm -hmm. having that. I mean, I understand the substitute teacher. I, I am bringing up something that is absurd and ridiculous. I get it. But the Rooney family, having three coaches over the last 100 years, it feels like, and having Mike Tomlin for 17 years, that in itself is absurd. So I'm going to try to think differently because of how rare that partnership has been in the NFL. And this is a partnership, unlike Belichick and Kraft, where they seemingly are on the same page at all times. There's no power struggle. There's no, I want my team back. This is so abnormal that I think when thinking about the future, you may have to also think abnormally. But, but
2: here's what I would say. It's hard to justify allowing Tomlin to take a leave of absence when you see him sitting at a desk on a pregame show on, on Sundays talking about football. So, like, like that's the part well, That's that, different. That's the that's, part that's different. That, you know, like, I, I don't see Mike Tomlin stepping completely away I see him taking a step back from coaching, but I see him always being involved with the NFL in some capacity, whether it's working for the league office or whether it's working for a broadcast partner of the league. He's going to be doing something around football. I'm just thinking of different roles that he could have that aren't so intrusive on his personal life because of the different milestones that his family members are going through.
1: I get the overall idea is crazy. I understand that. I just don't want to lose him if I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers. Simple no, as
2: I, I get that. But here's the thing. You already know what the market price is for a coach. with based on the package that the Saints got for Sean Payton to the Denver Broncos. I mean, if Sean Payton was worth one first-round draft pick, what's Mike Tomlin worth?
1: More. We're on Sportsman Life, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio.
0: It's one of the worst playoff games the Cowboys have ever played. And exactly where it ranks on your own personal uh, playoff disappointment list is up to you to decide. Yeah, number one, we're very disappointed. I don't think anybody saw this coming.
1: Oh, I think the Cowboys lost pretty high up on their disappointment list. Same with the Eagles lost yesterday. That is for sure. We are on Sportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. ESPNU, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. For those just tuning in, a few things to update you on. Number one, last night, the two playoff games, the Bills beat the Steelers 31-17. Story of that game, the way Josh Allen played mistake-free football was great last night. Mike Tomlin, post-game presser, asked about his future, walked off last question of the presser before answering anything about that. And our game on ESPN Monday Night Football, Bucks beat the Eagles 32-9. Eagles get destroyed in this game. Total collapse last seven uh, games of the season they lost six of seven including the playoffs and now Adam Schefter is reporting that Jason Kelsey their future Hall of Fame center is retiring at 36 years old after a phenomenal career in the NFL Smalls we have a bunch of teams though that we have to evaluate their seasons that have been eliminated in the super wild card weekend as failures disappointments or maybe some excitement around the team moving forward
3: First up on the docket, gentlemen, failure, disappointment, or excitement. How would you categorize the Dallas Cowboys season?
2: Failure. Uh, I mean, it was Super Bowl or bust coming in. The Eagles left the door wide open for you to win the division. You were the two-seed in the NFC. You had a chance to host back-to-back playoff games in a wild card in the divisional round. And you got the youngest roster to qualify for a playoff game since 1974. And you got your doors blown off by a team and a quarterback that had their playoff debut. I'm sorry, you have to characterize it as a complete and abysmal failure.
1: Failure, but I will say, if they would have made it to the NFC Championship game and lost to the Niners, I would have said disappointment. Even though, yes, you brought up Super Bowl a bust, but this was a complete failure to lose this way. No way around it. So anything
3: but the championship round, failure.
1: Yes. Feels like it. Yeah, Yeah.
3: Right? Yeah. Based on how they performed this season. Like I mean, I
1: guess, I don't know. If they lost on a last-second kick in the next round, maybe we'd look at his as disappointment. But, but it's yeah, still not failure. growth. Failure. No, no, it's failure. It's failure. Fail- Niners are busted
2: in terms of your losses.
3: Okay, failure, disappointment, or excitement. How are we going to view the Miami Dolphins season?
2: Failure. I mean, think about it. The Buffalo Bills were 6-6 six and six after Week 12. You were two games clear in the win column of them. You had the control of your playoff destiny in your own hands. And you fumbled the bag down the stretch. Not just the loss in week 18 to the Bills, but you lost to the Tennessee Titans in early December, quarterback by Will Levis, at home. That just can't happen. Like you, You should have, the game that they, they lost the game to the Chiefs two weeks ago. That's when they lost it. Because they wouldn't have had to contend with being in minus five degree weather in Kansas City had they won the division. And they had an opportunity to do that on their home field against the Bills, and they didn't get it done. So I, I don't know how you don't look at it as a failure. And then the other part about it that makes it even worse is that you still don't know whether or not you're going to extend to a tag of Iloa. And this was the season that you were supposed to answer that question. So it's a failure on both of those fronts.
1: Failure, but they are very lucky the Cowboys and Eagles exist because oh, they man. lost on Saturday, the Cowboys lose on Sunday, the Eagles lose on Monday. They are kind of the under the radar collapse team. 9 and 3 to losing the division to a 6 and 6 team. They play on Saturday night meaning we have a full day on Sunday of games that we're buzzing about and talking about on Monday and then we had the two games yesterday. They completely fell apart. We don't know what their situation is going to be quarterback wise as CC mentioned. Also, they confirmed all of the knocks on them. They can't win against good teams. And they can't win in cold weather. Check and check.
3: That's why I don't think we talk about them the way we talk about the Cowboys and the Eagles because they have been giving us the evidence all season that they are who we thought that they were. And
1: they also have the longest drought between playoff wins of anybody, I believe, since 2000. Right? I don't know. Is there another team that hasn't had a playoff win in that stretch now that the Lions have won a playoff game? I, w- I want to say that they have the longest drought between playoff wins. you're right. I
3: think you are, too. So, failure. And... With the, the Jets not being the Jets this year, with the Patriots being really bad all season, the bills having to make a coordinator change, and they falter, you had an opportunity to really seize this division at many points throughout the regular season, and you didn't do it. Failure. No um, I think I know your answer for this one: Failure, disappointment or excitement with the Philadelphia Eagles.
2: Failure. Failure. I mean, is, I mean, you collapsed. I mean, you started off the season 10 and one, and then you lost six of your final seven games. I mean, I mean, you have to compare it to the all-time collapses that we've seen in recent memory. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, who started out eleven and zero in twenty twenty, ended up having a collapse and getting bounced early in the playoffs. I mean, that's that's this type of failure. So this is this is all-time bad, and this is the kind of losing stretch, and it's the kind of lackluster performance in the playoffs that gets coaches fired.
1: Failure and failure twice. And let me explain. I'm going to compare it to Cece's basketball team and my basketball team. The Lakers and the Heat, respectively, had awful regular seasons last year. They failed in the regular season. But they had a shot to get themselves out of it and did. Lakers made it to the conference championship game. Heat made it to the conference fi- uh, championship round. Excuse me. Heat made it to the finals. The Eagles actually had a shot to get themselves out of this failure and failed again last night. They failed twice because the, the awful end to the regular season didn't eliminate them. Yeah.
3: This is an interesting one. Failure, disappointment, or excitement? How are we going to categorize the Cleveland Browns season?
2: Uh, excitement. They're building. Like, I mean, they've won games in the regular season with four different starting quarterbacks, so that shows you that the roster is in a really good place and Kevin is a good coach and Andrew Barry knows what the hell he's doing in terms of buying the groceries. I'm not going to... I'm not going to allow the Deshaun Watson deal to be his lasting legacy when they've shown me that what he did in terms of putting together the other 52 guys on this team is good enough to make it to the playoffs independent of what your quarterback situation was. So I think there's got to be a lot of excitement in Cleveland. And here's the thing, the quarterback play couldn't be much worse than what they got this year. And they were still good enough to have a playoff caliber season and be a double digit win team
1: excitement I agree with you I also want to add two pieces to this the Browns fans have no choice right now but to believe in Deshaun Watson and he's done nothing to earn that trust and belief I also think and this is not fair but I also think that Joe Flacco cannot be on this team next year you need a qualified backup just in case Deshaun Watson's not the guy but if it's Joe Flacco you're walking into the season next year with a quarterback controversy that you don't need how is I, I just would not have him on the. It's not fair. I get it. It's not fair to him. I'm penalizing his success in many ways. But if he's there, I have a quarterback controversy to start the season next year.
3: But with everything that you guys just said, how is it not disappointment? They're in the exact same spot as they were a year ago with a question at quarterback.
1: Well, if you want to look at it that way, you can. A really I'm not expensive look, question. I'm not looking at it as a question. Now, b- by the way, okay, if you're, if let's take what you just said. He he, Watson becomes a very interesting player when all of these questions around who are they going to get to play quarterback, who are they going to get to play quarterback, does all of a sudden he become
2: in play for, for a potential trade? I don't know. That's a con- For a trade that- with that contract, that contract's untradeable. untradable. I mean, the next three years, you see what the cap is going to be. It's untradable. So, I mean, no, I don't think you're going to trade him, but what I do think is Cleveland has to hedge. And could Cleveland be a team that's in the gardner Minshew business? I mean, Gardner Minshew was on he a maybe too good, but he, but no, but my point is, he was on a one-year deal this year and quarterbacked that team for the majority of the season, and they were right there in playoff contention in Week 18. Like, if, yes, if it, they if they had Gardner Minshew, wouldn't that be a better version of what they had in Joe Flacco? Yes. for the month of December. So, like they, to me, that, that that's what that that is what Cleveland needs. So, if Deshaun Watson, for any given reason, whether it's health or whether it's otherwise with his play. If you've got to pull him and put in a quarterback, and you've got Gardner Minshew on the bench, I mean, you're still talking about a team that should be in playoff contention. I'll
1: take your Gardner Minshew and do it this way because I totally agree with you. The Cleveland Browns need to get the 33rd best quarterback in the league. Yes, whoever they, de- but it can't be Flacco. Again, it's not. It's not fair. He's too much of a of a folk hero there now. Yeah, they can accept. Oh, Ryan Tannehill's our backup. Right? That's fine. Nobody's going to buzz about that.
2: It's like Nick Foles not allowing, not continuing to be the backup behind Cl- Carson Wentz. Exactly like you right. You can't do that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'll follow you. Next.
3: What about the LA Rams? Failure, disappointment, or excitement?
2: Oh, excitement, right? I mean, you got to say it's excitement. Has I mean, be. they were 5-12 and 12 last year. Like this is a team that's still rebuilding. Remember, they were like f them picks and and they won a Super Bowl. But this is the downside to trading away all of those picks and not having a first round pick since Jared Goff in twenty sixteen. Like it's going to take you some time. Now, good for them that they were able to hit on a lot of draft picks. Kobe Turner, defensive tackle. I mean, that guy is in the running for defensive rookie of the year. He's that good. So, I mean, they're building towards something. Puka Nakua, outstanding rookie season. Sets the rookie record for receiving yards. Like, they've got some young pieces that you feel good about them building around. The only question is what they're going to do with Matt Stafford moving forward. But they weren't supposed to make the playoffs this year. And they ripped off wins in seven of their final eight games to be in that position. So... Credit to Sean McVay for getting it done. It's got to be excitement.
1: Excitement, but I do wonder what you just said about Stafford. Are they on two timelines? Is Stafford on the same timeline as all the young players, or is there something to be said about getting a quarterback? And Stafford's awesome. Getting a quarterback that better fits the timeline of all the other guys. Mm. I don't have an answer to that question. Tua? Stafford for Tua? Who says
2: no? Oh, if I was Rams, I'd say no. I okay. would too. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm just get, throwing You could, anything get, you out could there. get more for Stafford. Yeah. Tua in a first. Like I said, I, if, I, if I'm Sean McVay, I don't know that I want to. I don't know that I'm in the tour business. But, I mean, Matt Stafford for a first, given you know a very specific situation, is not crazy to think. It's not crazy to think.
1: Just saying. Just saying. They have a good young team and an older quarterback. All right, uh, coming up, the coaching carousel continues. Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh, we know factually they interviewed Two different places yesterday. We'll get to that coming up. It's on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's
4: Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play.
5: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Evan Canty and Michelle are Unsportsmanlike. Unsportsmanlike.
2: I think the game that they won puts Harbaugh closer to leaving Michigan. I believe that the NFL will help dictate or determine whether or not he goes. He did what he set out to do. I think he'll
4: feel like he can walk away and say, I did the job I came here to do.
1: The coaching carousel is remarkable right now in the NFL and it only may get more interesting if some of these playoff teams make moves. We are on Sportsman Life presented by Progressive Insurance along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Yesterday, Bill Belichick interviewed the Falcons and Jim Harbaugh interviewed the Chargers. Uh, Yeah, I said it the way I said it on purpose. Those two guys interviewed the teams, right? The teams ain't interviewing them. When you're talking about those two teams with those two guys, Bill Belichick had a series of questions for Arthur Blank, and Jim Harbaugh had a series of questions for the Spanos family,
2: right? Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I, I still don't think the Spanos family is willing to pay what it's going to take to get Jim Harbaugh from Ann Arbor. Like, I know that Greeny says that Jim loves Justin Herbert as a quarterback, and that's all well and good. But there needs to be some money behind their commitment to finding the very best coach for Justin Herbert moving forward. And I just don't see a world in which the Chargers in the Spanos family are willing to have the highest paid coach in the NFL. That's what it's going to take to get him from Michigan. You're going to make Jim Harbaugh the highest paid coach in the NFL. Right now, the high watermark is Sean Payton at $18 million a year. I just have a hard time believing that the Chargers organization is going to pay that for a head coach.
3: Do you think he'll command more than Belichick strictly because of the amount of years that the contract might include?
1: I think he would command more potentially because he has a job, and Belichick does not. Yeah. Mm. Right? So, like, he has the leverage of, nah, just go back to Michigan. Belichick doesn't have that, unfortunately, right now. True. Good point. So, if we're going to – let's do it this way. And he just won a
2: national championship.
1: And he's
3: younger. But Bill Belichick's – got a, a firmer yeah, NFL but he's had, resume. Yeah, but he's, but he's
2: had more success in recent memory, and we've also seen him have success at the pro level. He went to three straight conference championship games when he was with the San Francisco 49 Not to say that Bill Belichick isn't a, a proven head coach, but in terms of being able to relate to this generation of athlete, in terms of being a quarterback whisperer, mm-hmm. I think that Jim Harbaugh has that in spades more so than Bill Belichick does.
3: And if you ever the Chargers – or if you're the Chargers, if you were ever going to back up the Brinks truck and really overspend on a head coach, isn't it not this guy yeah. who's done it at the collegiate level, as you mentioned, fresh
2: off coach the- at the collegiate level in Southern I was, California. I was
3: going to say that he has ties to the area. He has been to a Super Bowl at the NFL level, and he makes you relevant. Jim Harbaugh is polarizing. You either love him or you hate him. And for an organization that we never talk about, that lives under the shroud of meh, we're going to talk about the Chargers all the time if Jim Harbaugh's the head coach.
1: And by the way, if he's not, Pete Carroll has the same thing that you just said. That's tied. St- Pete Carroll is huge in LA.
2: Oh, no doubt. Right? Yeah. So yeah. Pete La Carroll... used. La. I say used to. La is. I mean the USC is the pro team in LA, but they are. And and, and Pete is the last one to actually have success. At the highest level, right, back-to-back championships, two thousand three, two thousand four. So yeah, I mean, you're right. I don't know that the Chargers would be willing to go down that road and hire They'd the be o- so relevant, the, the oldest head coach. In the NFL,
1: that dude with Justin Herbert would make them so I love relevant. Pete, I love Pete Carroll. Yeah. I
2: still think he's got plenty of juice to be a coach in this league.
1: All right, so let's do a couple. Let's do this two different ways. All right, we're gonna the coaching carousel. We're gonna get on it. We're gonna ride it here, but we're gonna do it as we're gonna place people different spots. Okay. All right. So here's what we're gonna do. Let's place Belichick somewhere. We'll start there. So
3: we're playing Matchmaker. Yeah. Okay. Love it.
1: Wasn't there a show on uh, Bravo Matchmaker,
3: Millionaire Matchmaker, which yeah. is quite literally what this will be because all of these guys are gonna get paid millions of dollars.
1: Right. Okay. So Millionaire Matchmaker. Here we go. Uh, where does Bel? where are we matching Belichick
2: Dallas Cowboys I think everything that Belichick brings to the table in terms of culture center Mm. and and forming an agenda for everybody in the organization to adhere to that's the organization that needs it the Dallas Cowboys
3: I think the Philadelphia Eagles and I know they obviously haven't fired their head coach up until this point but it feels like Jalen Hurts would be a perfect quarterback for Bill Belichick they have a lot of really strong pieces in place I I just see him there it feels like he fits that city and I think this is a win-now situation for both the head coach and the team. And
1: it's weird. I would say Atlanta. And I just think where there's smoke, there's fire. And that gives him the best opportunity to be him. So we don't have an agreement on that. Let's go to Vrabel. Where are we placing Vrabel? I love Philadelphia. Actually, let's do it this way. Let's leave Belichick out. We'll come back to him at the end and because maybe we'll, we'll figure it out this way. Vrabel, I like Philadelphia with Vrabel too. Same. Well, you have Belichick there, but let's leave Belichick out for a second. Vrabel, you in on this? I like him in Dallas. Okay, we're not going to agree on any. We're we're talking
3: about a team that, as you said, CC is lacking toughness, and Mike Vrabel is somebody that's going to come in, and he's going to instill that immediately.
1: Okay, let's. Uh, so then we're not going to do this. Let's do. Um, let's do the Chargers. Are we putting Harbaugh there?
3: I I hate it, but it feels like it's a likely conclusion.
1: It almost feels like Harbaugh may take a couple of bucks less if he does love. Herbert that much mm-hmm. where he's like, all right, if this is all you can do, then that's fine. Cause I would just want to be with that
2: guy. I, I, I think they go in the direction of an offensive minded coach. I just don't think it'll be Jim Harbaugh. I think it'll be somebody that's currently a coordinator. Um, and if that's the case, I would probably go Ben Johnson from the Detroit lions.
1: Okay. Okay. What about Washington? Cause that's where I would have gone with Ben Johnson, that he would have been paired with Adam Peters, the general manager there then have that young kind of innovative mindset in Washington, but you have them off the board potentially with the Chargers. So I yeah. guess.
2: I would go with another, um, I would go with a Shanahan disciple. Uh, I would go Sloick. with Bobby Sloick Okay, from the Houston, Texas.
3: I actually would love Harbaugh there too. Knowing that they have a high pick, he's going to be able to take one of those young quarterbacks, develop yeah. it. They are going to be basically a blank slate. He can instill his culture, his identity. You know, with that new ownership group, they're going to give him all the resources needed to have success. They have a new stadium coming down the line. Couldn't it just feel like the perfect spot for Harbaugh to – put some roots, and that is a, a once-proud franchise. Yeah. He could be the one to yeah. come in and resurrect it. Yeah. That feels like a good fit to yeah.
1: me. Seattle.
2: Ooh, That's that is an interesting one. You know who I got? Mike McDonald, defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. Oh. They like defensive-minded coaches. I can see John Snyder going back to the well in that regard. They got a lot of young, great young pieces on that side. Uh, yeah. yeah, I like Mike McDonald.
1: I like another guy with the same initials, Mike McCarthy. Next. I'm just saying. Next. Vegas. AP. AP. Antonio Pierce. Done. Okay. Carolina. I love Pete Carroll there. I've said this a bunch of times. If Pete Carroll's not with the Chargers no. and it's Harbaugh, I would hand Pete Carroll the organization if I am Carolina and get out of the well, way. Well, go with Mike
2: McCarthy. Put Mike McCarthy Mike there. McCarthy can work really?
3: there, too. I mean, You're assuming that the owner can get out of the way. And if I'm Pete Carroll and the book is out on this person, why would I want at this stage in my career and my life to put myself in that tumultuous situation? Yeah,
2: another name for, for the Carolina Panthers job. Frank Smith, offensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins.
1: Tennessee. Very quickly here. Somebody's got to hire Raheem Morris. I mean, he's got great experience. Rams, defensive coordinator, been a head coach before. Coach on offense and defense. I'd love to see him somewhere.
2: Yeah. That'd be a good fit.
1: I don't know if they're going to do that, but that's where the coaching carousel is very interesting because Belichick
0: and Vrabel are going to determine where everybody's going to go. We're Unsportsmanlike on, on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.